Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. Hey guys, what'd you think? Jesus makes all things new. Um, it has been so fun, and I mean this, this has been so fun the last day or so, uh, lunchtime, breakfast time, dinner time, just chilling with y'all and having a good time. And I really believe this, that once we get to know each other and kind of uh, connect, um, that God can just speak more clearly um, through me. And I say it through me, very uh, small. Um, I, I'm, 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 I'm just, just a joker. I mean, <laughs> I'm just a dude that um, needs Jesus desperately. So I don't um, think of myself in any way highly as a professional speaker. I'm not. I'm just a youth pastor that's loving Jesus and now teaches youth ministry at a Christian college. And I get a chance to give God's love and God's word to y'all, and I'm so blessed. So it's been fun to get to know you guys. And part of getting to know you guys, um, during lunch, I met some new friends. <laughs> So the, the ladies of MC25, right? This would be uh, Rhymes' girls, uh, were showing me some of their God-given talents. And we kind of made up a new name for our group here. It's the GP, God's Property. GP because they're 8th, 10th, 9th, 10th grade. So I thought like GP 8 to 10. We don't know if that's going to be going on the road. But I wanted to have you guys see this talent they have. Picture a table, but we don't have a table. But we do have a stage. Ladies, come on up. They're so excited. You guys sitting this out? You're not in? You're not in? Okay, okay. I thought you were in. I thought they were in. Wait, you want more money? Is that what it is? <laughs> okay. All right, we're gonna give you. We're gonna give them a countdown. Five, four, three, two, one. You ready? Five, four, three, two, one. I think we should see that again. What y'all think? Okay, ready? No, ladies, ladies. That was just rehearsal. You're back up there. Oh, yeah. Encore. That's right. We got to give them a count. We got to give them five, four, three, two, one. Ready? Five, four, three, two, one. That's good. Yeah! That's beautiful. Good job, y'all. Good job. Very good job. That was beautiful. That was just beautiful. And it has really been, I mean this, it's been a really good time just getting to 
see you guys getting crazy. Uh, I love it. I mean, Jesus gives us life, okay? And life is not like, I'm spiritual. You know, it's like, man, before I knew Jesus, I was out like partying. It was the ladies. It was all good. Then I got saved, and he's just changed my life forever. No, when you get saved, I mean, it's like he gives you new life. He's given us all these things freely to enjoy. He's given us laughter. But I've also been talking to some of y'all, and life's not a lot of laughter right now. And matter of fact, <laughs> here we go. Here comes the box. Um, some of y'all carrying some crazy stuff. So we're looking at the life of who in the Bible? Peter. Look at the apostle Peter. And last time we looked at chaos. Tonight we're going to look at his personal struggle. Tomorrow, look at the idea of surrender. And then the last night, freedom. But I want you all to know this from the very beginning. Peter is not the hero of the story. Who's the hero of the story? Jesus Christ is the hero of the story. Jesus is the hero of the story. That's what I want you guys to know. Hey, um, chaos. There's a video clip I want to show you. It's not deeply spiritual. Is that okay? It's just a li- it's okay, just a little bit. Okay, um, just a little, just a little bit. Okay, this gentleman you may recognize, possibly seen the video before, but this video um, is about chaos. Welcome back to our coverage of the game of the year between Yale and North Carolina. If you're just joining us, we have witnessed an unbelievably well-fought match tonight, and it's come down to penalty kicks. Peterson for Yale, taking the first approach. Goalkeeper Richards just let one in past him now. So now the burden rests on Yale Scott Sterling. Here he comes. Nerves of steel, that man. Dealing with more pressure now than a submarine. <laughs> Indeed. Crowd showing some appreciation. Johnson places the ball on the spot, getting ready. That man literally has a cannon for a leg. Yes, he does. Here he goes, winding up for the shot, and... Oh! The cannon has fired and hit directly to the face. We clocked that at a stunning 116 kilometers per hour. Now that's a lot of miles per hour. Little chance that man's nose is not broken right now. (laughs) Oh, indeed. Now Sterling getting checked out for that one. Spectacular save though, but sadly he's not out of the woods yet. On his feet now, a bit shaken, but not stirred. (laughs) This crowd absolutely loves this man. And Sterling's teammates welcome him back a hero for now. Yells up again for the second attempt, looking to make it 2-0. He approaches the ball with some determination. Here he goes. Oh, Oh, it's high and wide, way off target. Yes, apparently he thought he was kicking a field goal. (laughs) Wrong kind of football, I'd say. (laughs) Good show. Back now to Scott Sterling. He looks a bit worse for wear, but ready for round two. And Shaw takes a moment. Here he goes with the approach. Oh! Sterling with the fantastic dive. The ball flies straight through his hands and once again strikes him straight in the schnoz. And let's see it again on the old instant replay. Oh, every excruciating detail captured in HD perfection. Clocked at 129 kilometers per hour. Sterling does not look well. Two wonderful saves and two definite concussions. He may replace him at this point. He's done all he can. Yes, as his trainer takes him off the field like a mustached lion dragging a gazelle through the Serengeti. <laughs> Adieu, Scott Sterling. Adieu. Yale now with their third PK. Richens is in the goal, bouncing like an infant girl. The crowd holds their breath as he goes in. Here it comes. Oh, oh, very anticlimactic. Let's see who they got to replace Scott Sterling. Scott Sterling is back. He's still in the game. Oh, my. 
Why? And he's taking a very odd tactic now. Seems to be curling up to protect his face. Not exactly a recommended technique, but here it goes. Wait, no, no. Lampert needs to tie his shoe. Ho-ho. And that's why you do a double knot, kids. Sterling, still waiting for the kick to happen. He's probably wondering when. Oh! Sweet butter crumpet! My The ball drills Sterling right in the face. <laughs> Nose must be absolutely devastated. He's gonna look like a witch that blew her broom into her nose and then crashed into a hammer. I hardly even care about this attempt. Let's go back to Scott, Scott Sterling, the man, the myth, the, the legend. Three perfect blocks by Sterling and his cat-like face reflexes. Absolutely incredible. Though I must say, Sterling does not look well at all. Well, you know football players like to add a bit of drama, don't they? They're gonna take him out? No, wait! They brought him a chair! Oh, a bold move by the manager! Bane sets up for the fourth attempt! And this, frankly, is a gimme! He literally just has to kick it anywhere except where Sterling is sitting. There is no possible way that North Carolina can mess up this shot! Oh! 158 kilometers per hour! This man can do no wrong! Look at him bend for mercy when it's mercy that should be begging for him! He has looked death in the eye and said, take your best shot! To which death replies by punching him in the face over and over and over again. If Yale makes this final shot, it's all over, but no! Oh, he misses, which means we're going to Scott Sterling! His face is like a brick wall! A brick wall that can feel pain and cries a lot. Where's Sterling? He seems to be crawling away from the goal. What is he doing? He's throwing away the bat! Absolutely heart-stopping finish. Scott Sterling and his face of steel have won it all. <laughs> okay, okay. I, I, I missed the guy's name. What was it? Scott <laughs> There you go. So last night we looked at chaos. The idea of life just seems to blow up on us. Chaos. Utter confusion, we looked at that last night. We saw Peter was under two different types of chaos. One was kind of just the political world he was born into, Roman Empire, kind of ruling the day. And yeah, you could kind of do life on your own. At the same time, there was a lot of oppression around you. He also had that sense of religious oppression, where Jesus came to set us free of just rules. Jesus came to bring us back to God. So this is what Peter's now introduced to his kid brother, we see this later in the Gospels that he was the older of the two brothers. There was Peter, then his younger brother, uh, Andrew. And Andrew introduces Peter to Jesus. And you guys did just, a, a, just an amazing job of displaying the, the depths of Scripture with the, you know, who was, who was Peter? Cephas Peter? That was you, bro, right? Okay. We had Andrew. We had the brother and you know, all that. Could, you guys came up here, try to do that, lay it out for you. But here's what we're looking at now. Again, the four areas. First one is what? Chaos. Second one? Chaos. Next one? Chaos. And then? Chaos. There we go. Okay. The idea of a power struggle. Power struggle. See up on the screen. Instead of letting God take control of our situation, it seems like we try 
to take control of the situation. And that's the problem, is a lot of times in life, we can't fix things. There are some things we can fix. I said, I said it last night. There are some what I call self-inflicted wounds. You lie, you get caught, don't blame somebody else, you lied. So there's some self-inflicted wounds. You cheat, you get caught, you're busted, you're off the team. Well, don't blame the coach, you're the one that cheated. However, a lot of things happen that are out of our control. In this case right here. So we're trying to fix them. Okay? What I'm going to do is look at this tonight. What Tonight's question, what am I doing so I can stay in control? There are some things we're trying to fix that are above and beyond us. So what am I trying to do to stay in control? Think about that. There are four areas that we seem to do. And I'm going to have you guys look through these really quick. When there's things around us that, like in that box we're talking about, where we just, mm, we struggle. I think the first thing we can do is we either deny the issue or we ignore the issue. Or if it's a person we have a situation with, we deny or we just ignore. So we just like, hey, I'm okay. I'm okay. You doing all right? No, I'm okay. I'm good. I'm good. And you're not good. But you just kind of put the mask on that things are okay. Second area goes like this. We get passive aggressive. Now, um, I know one of you is counselors in here. You are a psychology major. So you know what that term means, passive aggressive. It's the idea of, do you guys know what that term means? You hear it, but do you know what that term means? Yeah. Okay. Passive, aggressive. It sounds like two opposites, but it, it is, but yet it kind of blends. Perfect example, just recently, daddy-daughter dance. Here's, I know. And of course, my, my, she's my Jenna bear. We have a lot of bears this week in the uh, adventure. <laughs> but this was my Jenna bear. She's a little baby girl, 27 now, but a little baby girl called her my Jenna bear. And she was about six, seven years old when this, this uh, Christian artist named Bob Carlo came out with a song way back in the day of the 90s. It's called Butterfly Kisses. And oh, so that was our song for the first like two years that song came out. By the time she's seven or eight years old, she looked at me and she goes, Daddy, I'm sick of that song. Turn it off. <laughs> she was serious. So it's like, she goes, I'm done. I'm done. Well, with her permission, that was our daddy-daughter dance song. Now, you, this is so corny, um, but I actually, at the wedding, right at the reception, I walked over, and I shared that story with everybody. You had the microphone. And I shared that story. I walked over to my brand-new son-in-law. Last name is Skirmerhorn. <laughs> Just saying. Well, she went from being a brown to a Skirmerhorn, so... Anyway, so here we go. It's her trade-off. She's, she's good. You know, so, so I go, Mr. Skirmerhorn, may I have permission to have this dance with your wife? And he goes, you may. And nobody's going cry. You know? So she comes over. Here's passive-aggressive. We start to dance, which I, we've never really done that before with each other. So it's like, okay. And she looks at me. She goes, and we've both got tears in our eyes. And she goes, you're not going to make me cry. So you're not going to make me cry. Passive aggressive. <laughs> and I go, she goes, I'm not crying. I go, neither am I. And we're smirking as we're crying. 
That's the idea of passive aggressive, a little bit of that. Um, you're trying to act like you're all cool and all that, but yeah, you're still shooting little digs at people or you're just kind of, I don't know, it's just, it's a passive way of being aggressive. So aggressive is you just attack somebody, but the passive is you just give them little shots. And that's, that's called a Facebook. Okay? That's when people just give little shots of their people. So this is what we can do. We have an issue with somebody. We deny them. We ignore them. Or we just take little digs, little shots at them. Third thing we can do, look at this one. We want to punish them or lash out at them. And this includes the person that either caused the issue or sometimes even the innocent. You're, you're, you're mad at your coach or your coach is mad at you, or your teacher you think gives, gives you the hardest day ever, and you get home and you just wanna like thump on your little sister, your little brother. And you, they walk, you walk in the door and they're like, what did I do wrong? And they did nothing wrong. And I was like, you can't kick your boss, you kick your dog when you get home. Don't kick your dog when you get home. But the, don't kick your dog when you get home. But the idea is you're mad at this person and you can't like take it out on them because you get fired or you're off the team, your boss, your coach. So you'll take it out on somebody else. You guys know what that is? That's number three. So either I deny it or I ignore him or I'm passive aggressive or this one, I seem to punish or lash out at other people. And the fourth one, look at that one. Or we blame God. God, since you're so big, since you're in control, why don't you fix this? Why don't you fix this? And there they are, all four of them. Now, I'm not asking you to raise your hand, identify which one. I know which ones I can struggle with. I'll be honest with you. Um, definitely number two. <laughs> that's, my, that's my happy zone right there. I will be passive aggressive. I can be, as a guy, I can have my tongue, not directly firing at you, but I can just use a little bit of this, a little bit of that, okay? And my wife's like, Honey, sarcasm does not work for me. As a woman, she's like, I don't like it. And I've had to learn to submit that to the Holy Spirit. Because as a guy, I can be really sarcastic. And I'm having to learn even now as a 55-year-old, that is not please God. So I can struggle with number two. But does that really help us cope? We, that's some of the things that we do. It's coping mechanisms. You guys have maybe heard that before. But does that really help us cope? We're going to look at the life of Peter, and there's not like one Bible passage. There's a number of Bible passages, so I have them on the screen. But there are six areas that I see in Peter's life. There's six that I see Peter kind of works through that he's struggling with. He's a dude. He's a normal guy. He's just struggling with these. I know I struggle with a lot of these too. And I think you're going to identify with one more, maybe all, I don't know. But let's see if you identify with some of these. First of all, Peter struggles with an attitude. I don't mean a happy attitude. I mean, he's packing an attitude. Here's a story, and I'm going to kind of give you the backdrop to a lot of these scriptures, okay? But in Luke chapter 8, all right, here's the backdrop. Previous to verse 44, Jesus hears the snooze of this Jewish leader, this amazing man, this Jewish leader, who is a ruler of a synagogue, which is a place of worship to the Jewish people. And this man, his daughter, she's 12 years old, she's super sick, like she's dying. So Jesus gets this like 
invitation from this guy. He's named Simon. He's like, hey, can you come like heal my daughter? Like now she's dying. So the 12 apostles, Jesus, they're like packing it up and they're leaving town. As they're leaving town, watch me, watch me, follow me. As they're leaving town, it's very busy like in, the, like in a mall or like a big shopping area or a city. If you guys have been into Baltimore, D.C., like super jacked up, really tense, New York City, you know, D-train, really tight space. And as they're walking through, this lady walks by and kind of like touches Jesus a little bit on his, on his rope. And that, here's where her story picks up. So she comes up behind Jesus and she touches the edge of his cloak. And it says immediately her bleeding stopped. In other gospels, not just Luke's gospel, other gospels also give the other details. It says she has spent all this money for all these years trying to get this, 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 this disease. She was basically, I'm going to treat you as adults here, okay? She's basically, in a feminine sense, bleeding, okay? It was, and it wouldn't stop. I mean, time out, time out. I said I'm cheating as adults, okay? So I was hoping you'd respond that way. Shh. Wait, wait, 13 seconds later. Oh, 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 move on. I am, I'm trying to, okay? So the thing was, she's bleeding, and it's not good. She comes up to Jesus, and she just kind of touches his cloak because many people had just touched his robe, his cloak, and been healed. And she's desperate. She'd gone to doctors. No one could help her. She'd given her money to doctors, and nobody could help her. If I could just get to Jesus and touch his robe. Hmm. Let's pick the story up. Who touched me, Jesus asked. Now, first of all, I hope you're all thinking, yo, dog, he's Jesus. He knows. <laughs> of course he knows. But I want you to see something powerful in the life of our master. He knows all about you, but he wants you to admit it. He knows what's in your box. You tracking? But he wants you to what? Admit it. So when he says, who touched me, it's not like he's like, um, you know, brain dead here. I, he's not that. He knows who touched. He wanted her to come forward and say, it's me. So he goes, who touched me? But notice Peter's response. When they all denied it, it was like, wasn't me, wasn't me, wasn't me, wasn't me, it wasn't me, it wasn't me. Okay, Jesus asked, you know, who touched me? Peter says, Master. You see it? The people are crowding and pressing around you. It's kind of like in our words today, Jesus, let it go. We're busy. We have to get to what I shared in the Devo this morning. That guy was a power player. He was a famous dude. They're on mission to go help a famous dude. She's a nobody woman. Think of the first century culture. Did you hear what I just said? He's a famous dude. She's a nobody woman. Okay? Are you, are you following me here? Jesus says, he stops. Who touched me? Peter's like, in our words today, bro, let it go. It's a busy place. It's crowded. We've got to get there. And he stops. See the scripture? He said, someone touched me. I know the power has gone off of me because she was healed. And then she came clean. She goes, Lord, it was me. And he, she was healed. Give Jesus a round of applause here. He heals her. Right? But the amazing thing is, is he heals her. He didn't forget about the other guy. Remember I said this morning? 
He's, he's pro poor people. He's pro rich people because Jesus is pro people. He still went to Jairus. I said Simon, my bad. His name is Jairus. Jairus, he was still went to Jairus' home, healed his daughter. But Peter, I want you to sense this, guys. See the big bold at the very top? Power struggle with a what? See, Peter is like, dude, he's like being a wannabe. I want to go hang out with the power people. And he's like, don't bother with these little people. Don't bother with these unimportant people. And Jesus is like, no, no, she's important. You guys feeling that one? So Peter is packing a little attitude here. Next one, Peter's seeking attention. Look at Matthew 14, up here in the, on the scripture here, up on the screen, verses 28 through 30. Peter then replies, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. You may know this story, you may not. Jesus is actually crazy, since we had all this rain and stuff, right? Jesus is there, Sea of Galilee. He goes, guys, I'm going to go around. Meet me over here on the other side of the lake. They get in their boat. Of the 12 apostles, four, including Peter, were professional fishermen. It'd be like flying on an airplane, and there's four professional pilots as, you know, those around you. These are professional fishermen. And they were scared because it was a really crazy storm. When the pilots are scared when you're going through turbulence, that's the time for me to be scared, okay? So this is a crazy storm. Jesus is not with them. They look up. It's like it is right now. It's dark outside. It's been raining. It's very, it's very just nasty, ugly weather. And they look out and they see this figure walking across what? Yeah, dude, that'll get your attention. That'll make ESPN highlights, okay? This dude's walking across the water, and they think it's a ghost. They think it's a spirit. And that's when they realize, wait, wait, like, no way. That's Jesus. He's just walking across. I'm walking on water. He's just walking on the water. Peter, what's he do? He's like, hey, Jesus, is that you? Come on. I want to come in with you. And I like this in Peter. At the same time, Peter's the kind of personality that's always like, oh, 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 pick me, pick me. Peter always wants to be seen. That's just how he rolls. He always wants to be seen. Hey, crew of a volunteer, some of you would be excellent at volunteering, but you'd never raise your hand. Others may be average at what is being asked to do, but you want to get up and have the mic. He's always looking for the state. We just kind of see that in his personality. So you guys see that? Gets out, walks on the water. All right. There's another time about attention. They're there in this mountain. It's, it's Mount Hermon. It's the northern part of the land of Israel. And Jesus and Peter, James, and John all walk up this mountain. It's like 10, 12, 10 to 12,000 feet. No wonder they're tired. These three dudes are sleeping. They wake up from their nap, from traveling all that way up the mountain, and there's Jesus, and they actually see from the Old Testament, Moses and Elijah. It's like, whoa, these are dudes that have been in heaven, and they just kind of are hanging out with Jesus, and they're talking with Jesus. And notice what Peter does here. They wake up from their nap, and Peter says to Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. I mean, this is like going to this massive, cool, like, camp, you know? It's like a God moment. It's an experience moment. And they're having this, like, massive, like, awesome time with God. And they're like, Lord, this is awesome. That's what he means. It's good for us to be here. I'm going to build three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Stop right there. Moses represents the Old Testament law. Elijah represents the Old Testament prophets. 
Deuteronomy 18 prophesies, Moses from God prophesies there will come the great prophet. See, all the prophets pointed to Jesus. There'll be the great prophet who will come. And the law, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, what? Numbers, Deuteronomy, all points to the coming Messiah. So all of it, like a big funnel, is funneling toward the Messiah. And the Messiah is here. And what, um, and what Moses and Elijah and Jesus are here. And Peter's like, it's like I would say, dude, let's have like three places to worship. In other words, Jesus equal to Moses equal to Elijah. And at that moment, the scripture, that's when the Lord God intervenes and goes, in my words today, party's over. And Moses and Elijah immediately disappear and are back in heaven. And the Lord God says, Father says, this, meaning Jesus, this is my son. Listen to him. Ooh, I love this. Because all the Old Testament points to who? Jesus. Jesus is not equal to other faiths. Jesus is God the Son. And that was the moment. Peter was the one that spoke up. Now, I can lean into this personality some. When I get nervous, I get nervous a lot. I do. I struggle with anxiety. I'll admit it. I've never been tested. I'm too anxious to go get tested, but I know I have anxiety. I know I do. <laughs> Makes sense. I'm too anxious to go. Never mind. But I know I struggle with it. I know I do. My wife knows it too. And so when I get nervous, I'll talk. Sometimes if you get nervous, you like shut down. My personality, I get nervous, I talk. That's Peter. It's about the attention. It's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just part of who he was. Next area, actions. Power struggle with wrong actions. Now think toward the end of the life of Jesus. Let's see the scripture in Mark's gospel, chapter 14. Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. Then Jesus returns to his disciples and finds them sleeping. This is in that 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 Mount of Olives when Jesus is getting ready to be arrested that night before the crucifixion. He looks at Peter. Remember his original name, his Hebrew name is Simon. He says, Simon, are you asleep? Couldn't you stay awake? Keep watch. Stay awake just for one hour. He says, watch and pray that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. Now watch this play out. So they take Jesus to the high priest. All the chief priests, elders, and teachers of the law came together. Peter follows him at a distance, right into the courtyard of the high priest. There he sat with the guards and warmed himself at the fire. The chief priests and a whole Sanhedrin, that's the religious leaders, were looking for evidence against Jesus. So they could not, or so they couldn't even put him to death, but they couldn't find any. So then, this is now Peter, begins to call down curses and he swears to them, I don't even know this man you're talking about. And see what happens next? Jesus prophesied, Peter, before this night is out, you're going to deny me how many times? Three. He goes, I won't do it. No. He goes, no, Lord. No, I'll die for you. And I say actions because kind of like, it's like, no, Lord, I won't die. I mean, I'll die for you. I, I won't deny you. What happens? And he does. I can identify with that. Kind of like, wow, I'm shooting my mouth off, you know? And then I don't come through in the clutch. 
How about his own agenda? Get this one. Jesus is now telling his disciples, I am going to die, but I will rise again. Now, please hang with me. Peter stops him, says, no, Lord, this shall never happen to you. Now, hang on. Now, you were thinking, well, Rich, of course he doesn't want his friend to die. Time out. Let me explain this. Peter, James, John, the other nine apostles, all knew Old Testament prophesied Messiah would come and set the prisoners free. And who was running their country right then? What nation? What empire? Who? Rome. They were expecting political freedom. I don't blame them. A nation had come in and taken over their entire country. They were expecting Messiah to come and kick out the Romans. So for Jesus to now say, I'm going to die, crucified death, for the sins of humankind, and then I'll rise again the third day, that's why Peter's saying, no, Lord, because Peter had his own agenda. He wanted to make Israel back to its rightful place. I don't blame him. I mean, if someone takes over our country, I'd like to have our freedom back. So I don't blame him. But the reason Jesus came was to set us spiritually free. So Jesus is going to die on the cross, and he's trying to talk Jesus out of dying on the cross. Now, does that make sense why he looks at Peter and says, get behind me? He goes like, shut it down, bro. Shut it down. So we have him having his own agenda. Here's another time. This was a story from last night. The camel, eye of the needle. In other words, good works and riches can't get you heaven. That story from last night, pick that story up. Same story with man, this is impossible. In other words, you can't save yourself. Your stuff, your money, your riches cannot save you. But with God, you can have salvation. Peter answered him, well, Jesus, we left everything to follow you. Look at the next verse of 27 right there. Let's phrase, I mean, we've left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? In other words, Jesus, we signed on your team. What's our benefit package? That's what he's getting at, is what's our benefit package? Peter was still struggling with his own, what? Agenda. Even the night of Jesus' arrest, and Jesus is not teaching against self-defense, but Jesus said to the guys, guys, tonight I am to be arrested and fulfill over 100 prophecies in the Old Testament of Christ coming to die for our sins. He goes, tonight I'm going to be arrested. I will die on the cross. And Peter goes right back to, no, you're not. And he goes for the guy's head. Obviously, the dude ducks, cuts off his ear. What's crazy, John's gospel says Jesus actually picks up the guy's ear, puts it back on him. Guy can hear again. And the people still didn't believe Jesus was true. In other words, don't confuse me with the facts. <laughs> so you still have Peter going, no, Jesus, you're not going to die on the cross. I'll take over from here. <laughs> and he kind of goes Lord of the Rings on him, you know. Does this make sense? Peter having his own agenda. Let's wrap this up. We now look at Peter has a sense of arrogance. Because in here, you see, it goes back to um, Jesus 
declaring he's going to be dying. And he's like, no, Lord, I won't deny you. He's like, I'll have all these commitments. And then he doesn't keep them because the next part, he denies Jesus. So he's talking a big game, but then he doesn't come through in the clutch. And the last one, you always see Peter kind of being the spokesperson of the 12. Whether he's asked to or not, he always speaks up. He seems to be that one alpha dog, if you know what that means. The one who's kind of like, if there's a group of eight to 10, somebody's a leader. Somebody's a leader. Who's the leader? The one who stands up, everyone follows. Duh, that's the leader. See, Peter had that sense of, I'm the alpha. Always the answer guy. Peter struggled with being in control. Look at the screen, please. Peter struggled with being in control of the things that were out of his control. One was the Roman Empire. And Jesus was like, I'm not kicking them out. My first time of coming, there was going to be two times. Second time is still to come. The sequel, Jesus returns. <laughs> the first time I come to die for you. No, Lord, my agenda is, do you guys see in this? There were things that were out of his control. He was trying to take control on. Boy, I can, ident I can identify. Can you guys identify with this? But here's the cool thing about Pedro, okay? Peter, here's the cool thing. You know what? In the middle of all that, you know what? He's still stuck with Jesus. So in sports terms, let's give him 10 points, okay? He's still stuck with, he never bounced. He's still stuck with Jesus. He was struggling. Does this sound familiar, guys? Come on, come on. Does this sound familiar? He's still struggling, but you know what? He's still sticking with Jesus. So trying to be in control of my chaos, check this out, leads to frustration. When I'm trying to be fixing everything, it can lead to frustration. Next slide. But when I let go, we saw that video earlier tonight. When you let go of being in control, your chaos, when you let go of it, can actually not be frustration, but what's the word? Freedom but freedom. What if we learn to stop focusing on what we cannot change? I'll be honest. You can't change your parents. My wife grew up in a home that loves her dearly, but they were not followers of Jesus. And she tried so hard. I want my parents to know Jesus. And she finally had to realize as a teenager she said, I had to realize I can't change my parents. I can only change me and have a love for my parents and be patient with my parents and love them for who they are and not try to fix them. Does that just make sense to you guys? Again, look up there. What if we learn to stop focusing on what we cannot change and focus on what we can change and that's have God changing us? You saw some of this last night. Look at it again. Are we identifying these things? Are we trying to deal with them? Or are we going to let them go to God? So here's another question, bullet point three. 
You've been hearing a lot the last couple of days about Jesus and being brought back to God through Jesus and this word saved and salvation. You could be very much like, I'm very confused. Maybe bullet point three is where you're living. Question is, have you had a saving encounter with Jesus Christ? Have you come to him for forgiveness of sins? Giving your heart and life to him as the leader of your life. Many of you have, because we've had conversations and many of you are on <clears throat> Team Jesus. You got the Jesus jersey on, y'all. But how about for us, Team Jesus? Maybe our bullet point's number four. Are we going to stick with them? Let's pray. King Jesus, I thank you for an opportunity to talk about you, my hero, my king. Lord, I thank you even for Peter someday. I know I'll meet him in heaven because of our mutual relationship with you, Jesus, with him directly knowing you face to face and me through the eyes of faith. He and I are brothers in Christ. You're our king. And yet we both have that in common. I struggle with certain things Peter struggled with, and maybe some of these students do as well. Trying to be in control. Lord, help me help our friends here to learn to take our hands off and let you have control. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Live After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.